I don't know if some of you guys know this, but it is Valentine's Day. And if you did not get anything for your significant other, uh, I thought of an excuse. You can wait until tomorrow and you can say, listen, baby, I love you so much. I just wanted to buy more stuff for you. I have a feeling that that's not going to work out for you, but at least you can try it, right? Um, I did want to recognize Kevin Fox right here. He is working at UNO to get a Chi Alpha established at our college campus here. So you guys be praying for that. We look forward to you being fully funded and, and partnering together for our young adult and college community. All right. So we're going to get to it. We have been talking about uh, give us, forgive us, and this week is deliver us. And so for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and get started. feel like God wants to do some really cool things today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6, 13, and then put your finger there and go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And if you do not have a Bible, we, you can look at the screen. Matthew 6.13, and Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray and read 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then 1 Corinthians 10.13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, God, to come into your house, to hear your word, and to watch you move and change lives. We ask that you would speak to us, lead us, guide us. God, lead us not into temptation, but God, we ask that you would deliver us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's give you a brief explanation of temptation, because it is a, it's a, a rich word. The word temptation can sometimes mean trial, affliction, or anything that tests our character or our virtue. It can also mean failure by entering back into the temptation that we just prayed for forgiveness for. Okay? But it also has a different meaning as well. It implies violent assaults from Satan and sorely afflictive circumstances which we are not able to handle yet. And so if we were to put this together into a definition, it is these three things. Do not allow me into a test, God, that I will lose or fail. Do not allow us to be brought to a place where we enter back into sin. And don't bring me to a test that I may not be ready for. Okay? So we know that Jesus was tempted right, and he was without sin. So how many here know that you're going to be tempted? There is no such thing as a temptation-free life. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Doing it is. Dwelling on it and meditating on these things will lead you into sin. So what you set your heart, your mind on, you will do. But ultimately, we have a choice. And temptation is just part of the Christian life. Suffering, if you do not know this, suffering is part of the Christian life. You will not escape this life without suffering. So suffering, temptation, and trials, all of these things are part of what God uses to develop you into the man or the woman that he wants you to be. Look at 1 Peter 4, 12, and 13. 
It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Listen, you've got to have the right mindset when it comes to what you experience in life. If you think your life is going to be easy, you have not read the word. If you think God is just going to put you on some pink cloud and let you float all day, it's just not going to happen. Read James 1, 2, and 4. And I went back to the King James Version. Some of you guys are going to be really happy about that. I'm not. But we're going to read it anyway because I want you to read the translation uh, in verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. A lot of times we read that and it says trials, right? But in this, in this book or in this um, translation, it says temptations. Knowing that this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So if used correctly, temptation is developing, developing you into the man or the woman that you're supposed to be. Okay. So let's break down the areas of temptation. I just put together three. And I think it comprises most of our Christian walk. Okay, Number one, temptation will come from ourselves. Anybody have allergies here? Okay. So sin to me is like the beginning of allergy season. Your nose is producing snot all the time. I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm talking about tons of Kleenex, vats of snot flowing out of your nose all the time. You can blow it and blow it and blow it and blow it. And you think, man, I'm done. And then it just keeps coming, right? To me, that is the sin in your heart that if not dealt with, it's just going to keep coming up. Okay. Jeremiah 17, nine says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Okay, I don't need help sinning. You don't need any help sinning. Left to yourself, you will sin. Our flesh is the part of us that stands in opposition to God. Okay? It doesn't want to obey God. It disagrees with God. It makes reasons that the word of God is wrong. Right? It doesn't want to be checked. It's the part of you that is at odds with God. It's the two-year-old that throws itself on the floor, screams, cries, has a tantrum, right? That's the part of us. I thought my two-year-old at one time was demon-possessed. That's the part of us, right? That's the flesh. You can't reason with the flesh. You can't give candy to the flesh and expect it to obey. You have to deal with the flesh. Right? So it can't be compromised with. It has to be overcome. You, have, you do this by learning to walk with the Holy Spirit. You do this by reading the Word. You do this by reading the Bible. And you do this by staying in biblical community. You need somebody holding you accountable. We are tremendously selfish left to our own stuff. You know, we have our own sin patterns, we have our own inclinations, we have our own propensities, things that we want to do, right? Our own, your temptation may not be my temptation, but we all have them. And as soon as we stop being intentional and we start being passive, we immediately begin going off track. 
It's kind of like walking against um, a stream. As soon as you sit down in the raft, it's going to take you somewhere you don't want to go. That, that is the passive life. God calls us to intentionally read, apply, and live out the word. So the second place is our culture. Our culture. Think about it for just a second, man. You, we were called to be ambassadors. We were called to be representatives. We were called to be the, the light inside of us, the light of the world, to show to people. And our culture, we're being hit every single day with a message. We're, be, we're being told something by, I think I read recently that you get at least 500 different, mes- different messages, commercials, ads, every single day. And it's probably more than that now. Every single day, somebody is telling you something. School curriculums are telling you something. Media is telling you something. News organizations are telling you something. Books you read, music you listen to, your friends are telling you something. Your family is telling you something. Your coworkers are telling you something. Facebook is telling you something. Twitter is telling you something. Snapchat is telling you something. Everything, all the time, you're being told something. You're drowning in culture. Most of it, of course, is not to promote Christ. And if I'm being honest, according to statistics, the majority of people in here do not have a biblical worldview. What that, what that means is you approach your life in a compartment. You've got Jesus over here in a compartment, but you live your life the way that you want to live it. Instead of taking the Bible and going, man, this is the way I'm going to look at my world, my marriage, my family, my kids, my responsibilities. And so all the time, have you ever noticed how people love to use Jesus? So they'll, they'll bring Jesus onto their side. They'll use part of a scripture verse. They'll point out how, you know, Jesus did this. But can I tell you, there's only two sides to the teams. The side of Jesus and your side. And our goal, our responsibility is to be on his side. Not to try to pull Jesus onto our side. So every single day we're, we're inundated. Right? And here's the temptation is that we begin to blend in the culture. God's called us to stand out, to be His light on this earth, to be His representative, to stand for what is right. Listen, I don't, I don't expect the culture that I'm in to believe Jesus or follow the rules of Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus. I believe culture is going to be culture. But my responsibility is to live in such a way that they want to know, man, what is it about you? I want that. And so one temptation is to blend in. Uh, I I think the other is just to begin to be worn down and go, well, what does it really matter anyway? I'm just going to go ahead and give in. I'm not going to follow the rules. It's easier not to follow the rules. It's easier not to follow Christ. And I see that a lot. Inundated. Number three is we have a real enemy. We have an enemy that hates you. If you are a Christian, know this. Uh, every person was made in the image of God. But there's a mark on you. Satan hates you. Despises you. Because you bear the image of Christ. You bear the image of our maker. Okay? John 10.10 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But God, Jesus, has come to give you life and life to the full. We have an enemy that hates us. So we have an enemy that wants to steal your hope. 
We have an enemy that wants to steal your assignment, your plan. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your belief that there is, uh, there's freedom. Part of my prayer is don't lead me back into temptation, God. Don't let me return back my back on what you have forgiven me from. And here's the temptation. Success, shortcuts, compromise. Satan tells you, uh, tries to give you a, a belief system that is contrary to the word of God. You know that, right? It's easier if you don't do it God's way. And I believe the greatest temptation is to believe the lies of the enemy because it will begin to affect your relationship with God. Let me tell you, I, I run into people all the time who believe God is mad at them. God's disappointed with them. Anytime I hear always, anytime I hear never, I know that's, that's a stronghold. That it's too late. I've got to make up for it now. God's frustrated by me. It's too late. It'll never change. See, Satan will try to make you deny your worth. Do you know how much you're worth? Think about it. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe you have this worth? He'll begin to say God's sacrifice was not enough. You're going to have to do more. You have to pray more. You're going to have to worship more. You're going to have to attend church more. You're going to have to begin to something. There's always another hoop that you're going to have to jump through. I think the greatest temptation in our time is that of solid Christians giving up. You're kind of now just coasting. You attend, you do the stuff you're supposed to, but somewhere deep on the inside of you, you've begun, you, you've begun to stop really believing. You're just kind of going along with it. People who are overrun with temptations, disappointment, sin, depression begin to say, what does it matter anyway? It's not going to change. Always come back to the same stuff. The word of God, prayer, and people. You need to surround yourself with people that will speak life over you, will, will pray over you, will encourage you, will challenge you. Don't lead me into temptation, God. Don't please don't keep me from entering into sin due to my flesh, my culture and the enemy. Don't let them rule over me because greater are you in me than anything that I will encounter in this world. Okay. So number two, because we're going, I, I want God to do some ministry here at the altar and we're, we're going to try to fly through this a little bit. Uh, deliver us from evil. You know, I'm from Alabama, so I was going to try to say the Greek word, but I figure I'm going to say that wrong. So we're just going to go ahead and move past that. <laughs> but the Greek word is a very expressive word, meaning break our chains, break our bonds or our bands of the enemy. Jesus is teaching his disciples, listen, God wants to deliver you. And I love the fact that it's deliver us. There's something powerful in the context of community. Break our chains, loose our band, snatch us and, or pluck us from evil and its calamitous issue. See, some people here, and I, I, this is what the Lord told me to write down in my notes last night. Some of you have said in your heart, I will be stuck here for the rest of my life. Not according to scripture. Amen. Deliver 
us. Now, I think I want you to know the heart of God. The church, he is not frustrated by you. You are on time. He is not surprised by where you are. Okay, he's not disappointed. You know, there's a, you can say a word a certain way and it communicates a whole lot more than the word. So some of you believe God is going, come on. I'm telling you, God is going, come on. Come on. That's right. Keep coming. Keep going. It has been said that what you think about God is the most important thing in your life. Some of you guys, man, the God you serve is not the God that is. Here's what happens. You are accepted. When, when you accept Christ, you are sanctified immediately. It means that you're accepted. That God looks at you through what his son did. Paid the price for you. Died for you. Has cleansed you spiritually from all sin. Will never bring up your past again. It's all about moving you from here to there in the future. He knows who you're going to be. And he's always working you in that direction. And so sanctification is both immediate. You're accepted. But also a process. Okay? Always making you better. Always working on you. Always freeing you. Always encouraging you. Okay? So if, if you're frustrated by who you've always been, then quit looking back and begin going, God, deliver me. I get really frustrated sometimes by religion. I get frustrated by people who throw out Christianese stuff. You know, like um, if somebody is stuck or they're hurting or they're broken or whatever, and somebody gives them uh, an encouraging word like, well, do better. Do better. I never even thought of that. It's just do better. I've been an alcoholic all my life. All I need to do is do better. Right? Biblical community is what people need to walk it out. Hey, listen. It's going to get messy. If we're going to be a a holy hospital where people walk through healing, it's going to get really messy. And some of you guys need to start bringing your mess out. In order to be made whole. So, so I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I played sports in high school. And um, I was fast. And uh, I usually, I, I was usually the only white guy playing. On what, in football, I was the only white guy who, who played on defense. My coach, my senior year, we had an awards banquet. In the awards banquet, he said... Jason is the first white guy who ever started two years for me. So those were his words. And so when I was a junior, I I, I had finished the the football year and I I went and watched a basketball game and I went, man, I think I can play for them. So um, the, the coach said, yeah, come on, join the team. I'll get you into basketball shape. And so eventually, you know, made the team playing. We went to Tuskegee. Tuskegee is a predominantly African-American city. And so we went there, and it's just me and one other white guy in the gym. And so we were playing, and um, we were on offense. We had just stolen the ball. We're running. We turned it over, and they took it, and they threw it over my, over my head. And there was a guy who was huge. And he got the ball, and you heard the crowd go, Oh, right. Cause they knew he was about to dunk. 
Well, that just couldn't happen. So he goes up the dunk, and I come down on him hard, and he doesn't make it. The crowd went crazy. They begin to cuss at me. They begin to tell me they're going to kill me. They begin, and as a competitor, I'm like, well, bring it on, right? We're, we're here to win. And so what happens is that was in the second quarter. Toward the end of the second quarter, or at the end of the second quarter, the teams start going into the locker room. Well, it's not over. So the team starts coming at me. And all of a sudden, I find myself with, you know, a couple of people in front of me. Well, guess who had my back? My African-American brothers that I bled with, sweated with, and fought with. And they, they had my back. As a matter of fact, my, my African-American coach, that my football coach, was not even the basketball coach. He was coming up to me, throwing me forearms. Come on! You can't be scared! You can't be scared! I was like, bruh, just let me go on and fight the other team. <laughs> and, and I say that for, for this thing is... Listen, you're surrounded by people that want to fight for you. They want to walk you through deliverance. I I, I miss the the competition and the brotherhood that I had with my brothers and my my team members, man. I do. Because we we were all in it together. Isaiah 61.1 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is the, the prophecy of Jesus. It says, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted actually means shattered. The shattered hearts. To proclaim freedom to, for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner. Now, a captive is someone who has been taken against their will. And there are people in here, somewhere along the line, somebody did something to you that they weren't supposed to. And you have remained a captive from that moment on forward. Whether they did something to you or whether they didn't do something that they were supposed to. Rejection or abuse or or whatever it was. And you've been a captive all your life. And then there are those who are prisoners. People who have done something wrong. You know you've done something wrong. And though the time has passed, you've kept yourself in prison. You've stopped living. And God says, you're paying the price for something. And yes, there are consequences to decisions. But listen, I want to bring you light. I want to bring you out and show you how to redeem the rest of your life. Pastor Walt made this comment in one of his messages. He said, God brings us back to life, but the church brings us back to living. And I think there has to come a time when you have to make a decision to walk out your deliverance. And you walk that out in community. I've been pretty honest about my family, where I came from. Um, you know, I, I think it's in the past couple of years that I have felt the, the pressure and the disappointment and the frustration of not growing up in a Christian home. I have nobody to look back to. I'm not going to call my parents for spiritual advice. That bothered me for years. I think some of you guys probably have that same thing. You know what I found? I I have friends here. I have pastors on staff. I'm meeting people in the community that are beginning to walk me through these things. But let me tell you the cool thing about it. Never had a, a spiritual father per se. But here is the thing. I'm working as a youth pastor. I'm never going to be the coolest, hippest youth pastor. I'm just not. Not at my age. 
not with my hairline. It's just, it's not going to work. But, but here's the thing. You know what God said? But you can be a father. You can love those kids. You can show them how much I love them. And some people here, you have, you have written off aspects and chapters of your life because you don't believe God can redeem it. For me, it's like a, a, a volcano that, 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 that just smothers and ash and, and heat burn up an area. But after a while, things begin to sprout again. For some of you, God wants to breathe life back into those areas. So here, here is the, the thought. I believe, um, I'm not good at math, <coughs> so we're going to keep this really simple. But I believe the Christian walk is a, a, a lot like a math equation. One plus the blank equals two. Okay? Now we have the constant, which is God, at one. And we have an answer of what he wants to do, which is two. But will you put yourself in the blank in order for him to do what he needs to do? And he's waiting for that. So the question is, isn't it time? How long do you want to stay bound as a prisoner or a captive? Terry Waite was a, a captive in Lebanon for four years. And he said, I've been determined in captivity and still am determined to convert this experience into something useful and good for other people. I think that is the best way to approach suffering. It seems to me that Christianity doesn't in any way lessen suffering. What it does allow you to take it, face it, work through it, and eventually convert it. Do not rob God of his ability or his opportunity to, to take you through and redeem what has happened to you in your life. The one thing Christianity, specifically Christ, provides is hope. It is my belief that God will love you in your chains to your grave. But I fully believe that God wants to set you free of your chains before you get to the grave. I love the Myers when, when they came and gave their testimony. It's very humbling to come up and admit, man, I've got some issues. But can I tell you, a young person came up to me on Wednesday and said, I saw the pain and I'm, I, I am turning from pornography. God wastes nothing. My favorite scripture in the Bible. Jesus said, bring me the fragments that remain because he wastes nothing. So regardless of what devastation has happened in your life, life and healing can begin again in those areas. So here's what I want us to do this morning because I know, listen, if I have issues that I am working through and man, my life is Jesus. I know there are people in here that, and, and here's the thing. I think some of you guys are so solid in your Christian walk in, in what people see. That God wants to begin setting you free. That you can actually be open and honest and go, man, I am struggling in this area. And God wants to deliver you. This is an open invitation for you today to go, I need help in walking through the process of my life to deliver me. Break the chains. Break the bands and the bonds. And help me walk this out in biblical community. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to open the altar. I want my... My um, prayer leaders to stay, my prayer team and our altar team to stay. And if you know that's me, I, that, that God is dealing with my heart, 
I need to walk through process. I need biblical community. I need to be set free in an area of my life. And you can be 60, you can be 100, you could be 18, 15. And you go, that's me, I know it. I want you to begin coming forward to the altar. We have a song that we're actually going to sing over you as a prayer. Come on, I know there are people that are hurting. I know there are people that need deliverance. I know there are people who who have issues that, that God wants to set free and you got to admit the issue. Come on. And here's, here's your role, church. In just a minute, we're going to begin to sing a song over them. And I want you to look, because this, this, is, our, this is our family. These are our friends. These are the people that, that need help. There's more. Come on. There's more. Come on. Lonely. Addicted. Broken. Hurting. Things you never tell anybody. God's wanting to bring freedom to you today. There's more. Come on. Church, what are we going to do? There's more. I know there's more. What are we going to do, church? Are you going to take up your role? You're going to minister to people? You're going to love people? You're going to pray for people? There are people here that have been carrying stuff for 20, 30 years. This is all they know, and God's wanting to walk them into freedom. There's more. Come on. So we're going to sing this song over you if you're at the altar. We love you. We believe in you. We believe in what God is doing. You're in the middle of a a, a process. And God wants to deliver you. And for those who have not moved, that you're sitting down, God wants to deliver you too. He loves you. He's for you. Love that. You guys go ahead. Prayer team, if you're ready... You can come down and begin praying for people.